You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and He calls us to preach the Word and proclaim His Gospel. We pray that as you listen, you will be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. Father, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Your Word, Your Son, brings us life from death and light in the darkness. May your spirit reveal Jesus to us today. Show us the riches of our hope in Christ. Transform us and shape us to be more like him. In his name we pray. Amen. How do you respond to fear? When you're in danger or when you're feeling threatened, what do you do? When I was a little kid, I used to be afraid of text in all caps. I remember on the way home from my grandparents' place, there used to be this sign that we would drive past. It, was, it must have been a shop for maps or something, because on it it said, get one or get lost. And every time we drove up to it, I had to shut my eyes or duck behind the, the seat in front of me because I was just so scared. Another time, I was watching a kid's show. I was still a kid. And at the end of the show, the show cuts to black. And in big white capital letters, it said, to be continued. And I had to reach for the remote and shut the TV off because I didn't want to see it. It sounds pretty stupid uh, when I look back now. But I wanted to share this because it shows us that what we do is driven by what we fear. We've seen how this plays out in many ways this year, right? Fear leads to self-preservation. People panic buying, emptying the supermarket shelves and fighting for toilet paper. Fear leads to shutdown. People falling off the radar, not answering messages, not answering calls because they can't cope. I wonder if you know people like that. Fear leads to retaliation. Uh, Think about the protests against George Floyd's death and people turning to destruction, attacking others, looting everything. I mean, fear leads us to do things that we regret, things that are irrational, irresponsible, harmful, or even evil. I wonder if you've done things that you regret because of fear. Ultimately, fear can lead us to question God. Where are you? Are you really in control? Do you really care? To live a godly life, we need to learn how to cope with fear. So how can we find courage when we're afraid? That's the question this psalm explores. And the answer it gives us is this. When we're afraid, trust in God. The psalms were songs written for God's people, the Israelites. And they used them to praise God and to pray to him in song. This psalm is attributed to David, one of the kings of Israel. And he's writing about the time when he's captured 
by Philistines in Gath, a time when he was living in fear. You can read more about it in 1 Samuel 21. But David was running away from a man named Saul. Saul was trying to kill him because God had chosen David to succeed him as king. And so David runs for his life to the Philistines. I mean, you, you must have been desperate because he was running to the enemies of Israel. And when David gets there, the Philistines think David is trying to kill them. And so what does David do? He pretends to be insane. He starts drooling and graffitiing the city gates, hoping that the Philistines will think that he's gone mad and let him go. I mean, what a desperate situation. What a terrifying situation. I want you to keep that situation in mind as we read through this psalm. Now, let's look at how David describes his situation. Verse 1. Be gracious to me, God, for a man is trampling me. He fights and oppresses me all day long. My adversaries trample me all day, for many arrogantly fight against me. Imagine being David. Your escape plan hasn't worked. You're threatened on all sides. What can you do? It's no wonder David cries out to God for help. And in this terrifying place, David finds courage in God. Look at verse 3. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? David remembers God and his word, what God has said, what God has done, and what God promises to do. And as he does this, he realizes, I don't have to be afraid. My enemies are nothing compared to God. I can trust in him. How does trusting in God help David in this situation? What does he remember about God that helps him? Well, there's three things about God that give David courage. And these are three reasons that we can have courage today too. The first reason is that God is just. And read on from verse 5. They twist my words all day long. All their thoughts against me are evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps while they wait to take my life. David's enemies were out to kill him. Like prowling lions, circling him, stalking him, waiting for the perfect opportunity to pounce on him and rip him to shreds. When I read these words, I think of a time when someone close to me was accused of fraud. Her accusers painted her in the worst possible light. They threatened her with fake legal documents. They even staged an intervention where they were shouting at her, telling her to admit that she'd done something wrong. And I was furious. I kept thinking, how dare you treat her like that? 
Every time I thought about the accusers or even saw them, my heart would start to race. I just couldn't stop thinking about this situation. I was afraid of what they might do next. And I wanted to fight back. I wanted to bring them down to stop them. And I wonder if David felt like that. But notice here, David didn't fight back. He didn't take justice into his own hands. Instead, he calls on God's justice. Verse 7. Will they escape in spite of such sin? God, bring down the nations in wrath. David believes that God is just, that God is angered by the murderous schemes of his enemies. David sees his enemies as part of the nations, the enemies of God's people. Perhaps he's remembering stories like the Exodus, when God heard the Israelites cry out to him because they were enslaved by Egypt. And God rescued them. He brought plagues and judgment against the Egyptians. David is calling on God to act in the same way, to take down the wicked people who want to take his life, to bring justice, to deal with those who are against God and against his people. Now, as you read this, you might be wondering, is it right for us to ask God to bring judgment? Jesus commands us to love our enemies. He commands us to pray for those who persecute us. But there will be people who refuse to stop rebelling against God and who refuse to stop perpetrating violence. And God can't just ignore this. He loves with the Father's love. And like a parent seeing their child get bullied, he, just, he won't just stand idly by. Out of his love, he's going to bring justice. He's going to stop the wicked people. He's going to destroy those who destroy others. It's right for God to enact justice. And so it's right for us to call on God to enact his justice. And in fact, relying on God's justice is the only way we can avoid taking justice into our own hands. As Christians, we have even more reason to rely on God's justice because we know Jesus promises that he will return and one day he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. He will rescue his people and destroy the wicked. How do you respond when you feel threatened, when you're in a conflict, or when you're being mistreated? Do you want to fight back? Do you want to take revenge? Well, here we're given an example to follow. Don't respond in fear. Don't fight evil with evil. 
Instead, turn to God. Tell him your situation. Ask him to do what is right. Ask him to bring justice. And trust that it will happen. This is a prayer that you will have to turn to again and again, because justice will not happen right away. But we know that it will happen when Jesus returns. But as we pray for justice, there's one other thing we need to remember. We also deserved God's wrath. And so we need to pray for justice, but in humility and also trusting in God's mercy, asking him to be merciful to your enemies too. When we're afraid, trust in God, because he is just. That's the first reason we can trust in God. The second reason we can trust in God is because God cares. And we see this in verse 8. Read it with me. You yourself have recorded my wanderings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? You can just imagine the stress and the grief David is experiencing. It's hard to imagine this being the life of a king. And yet despite all this, David has hope. He remembers, God, you're not heartless. You know what I'm going through. You hold on to every tear I've cried. You write down every bit of pain that I've experienced because you are a God who cares. Just before lockdown hit, I became an uncle. My sister Emily had this beautiful baby girl called Sarah. Now, my sister's not really a softie. I'm pretty sure I cried more than her when I was a kid. But when she had Sarah, I saw a whole new side of her. She would feel sad every time she heard Sarah cry. Even if it was just the smallest whimper, it was like a button was pressed and she would have to stop everything and check that Sarah was all right. Emily loves Sarah. She cares so much for her. It's almost like she feels whatever her baby feels. And I think that gives us a glimpse of what God's love is like for us. See, he cares about his people. He hears their cries. He feels their pain. And because God cares, David trusts that God will come to his rescue. Look at verse 9. Then my enemies will retreat on the day when I call. This I know. God is for me. Now, God hasn't come through for David yet. But David believes that God will. God will ultimately bring victory because God cares for him. God is on his side. 
And it's based on this that David is able to express his trust in God again in verse 10. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? David reaffirms his trust because he knows this God is not just any God. This is Yahweh, the God of Israel. And what kind of God is Yahweh? Exodus 34 tells us, The Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. God is compassionate. God cares. And as Christians, we know this on a whole new level because of Jesus. See, Jesus was willing to enter a suffering world to weep with those who weep, and to mourn with those who mourn. He experienced human suffering firsthand, the verbal abuse, the false accusations, physical violence, abandonment, even death. Jesus shows us God is willing to die for those he loves. That's how much he cares for you. Have you ever questioned whether God cares for you? I know I have. There have been times where life has just been too much. The pain feels too raw. I feel like I can't cope. I start to think, you know, maybe God has stopped listening to me and there's no hope anymore. It's terrifying to feel like you've been abandoned by God. If that's what you're feeling today, listen to what God is saying here. God knows your pain. God cares. He is for you. He will answer. You can trust him. And he proves this in Jesus. See, the lies can seem so loud. That's why we need to hear these words again and again. So recite and meditate on this. Use these words in your prayers. Speak these truths to others who are suffering and feeling abandoned. Friends, don't let the pain and the fear deceive you. When we're afraid, trust in God because he cares. That's the second reason we can trust in God. The third reason we can trust in God is because God will rescue. In this last section, we see David anticipating God's salvation. In verse 12, I'm obligated by vows to you, God, I will make my thank offerings to you, for you rescued me from death, even my feet from stumbling, to walk before God in the light of life. David is looking forward. He is sure that God will rescue him. He will live to see another day. And he is so sure 
that he sees the day when he will bring thanks to God and offer, offer sacrifices at the temple. How can he be so sure? It's because he remembers how God has rescued him in the past. David looks back over his life and realizes, you know what? God has rescued me before. Why can't he rescue me again? God is a God of life. Why wouldn't he want me to live? That's how he can be so confident that God will rescue him. It's funny how our doubts contradict our past experience. I've traveled by plane many, many times, and yet every time we take off or experience turbulence or land, the thought comes to my mind, this is it, I'm going to die. I mean, it's pretty silly, isn't it? And yet I have this same problem with God. Despite how God has helped me all the past 32 years of my life, when I'm under pressure, the fear still creeps in. Will God answer me? Will God help me? These are the doubts that I have. Well, how do we deal with these doubts? Well, one way is, well, we need to look back over our lives to remember how God has helped us. I mean, think about the ways he's helped you all this year, how he's answered our prayers, how he's held on to you through lockdown. You might want to write these things down and look back on the list when you're struggling or share these encouraging things with others. David knows that God has rescued him in the past and so God will rescue him in the future. But the question remains. Sure, God has rescued us in the past, but will God rescue us from death? See, death is a terrifying thing. We were reminded of this this year, right? Death is coming for us all. Death is a sign and it points to the judgment of God against those who reject him. But for Christians, death does not have the final say. And we know this because of the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus defeated death. He left death dead in its grave. And Jesus offers this victory over death to everyone who trusts in him. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you follow Jesus... Jesus promises that the darkness of death will not overcome you. You will not face the punishment for your sin. Just like Jesus, you will overcome the grave. And just like Jesus, you will rise up from the dead and live with God in the light of life forever. Will God rescue you from death? Ultimately, the answer lies on whether you follow Jesus or not. 
And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to know that God is calling you to walk in life. So trust in Jesus. Yet even as Christians, the threat of death can still cause us to be afraid. I mean, death might seem far away right now, but there will be times when death will feel close again. When another COVID wave hits, when our health fails, or when we near the end of our lives, we will be staring the enemy of death right in the face and we will wonder, can God rescue me? Or perhaps your question might be not so much, can God rescue me? But will God rescue me? A sinner. Someone who's let him down again and again. Someone who's messed up their life. Someone who's still stuck in their old ways. How could God possibly rescue me? Friends, if you follow Jesus, you have no reason to be afraid. Don't look at death. Don't look at your sin. Look at the cross. See the death Jesus died for you. And see the resurrected Jesus who offers you resurrection life. Jesus has rescued you already. And he will rescue you in the future, even from death, because you follow the resurrected Jesus. We can trust in God, even in the face of death, because he will rescue. This psalm shows us what to do when we're afraid. Trust in God. Because he is just, he cares, and he will rescue. To conclude, I just want to share a quote. It's from a book, Marks of the Messenger by Max Stiles. Boldness is not a lack of fear. It is faith in something bigger than our fears, so that we appear fearless. We will all have fears in this world. But friends, what fear is bigger than our God? No matter what fear we might face next, whether it's another pandemic, family conflict, uncertainty about the future, or even persecution for our faith, take heart because we trust in a great God. Let's pray. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? God, may you make this prayer ours. May you give us courage to face our fears in this world, to live lives that please you, until Christ returns to set things right. In his name we pray. Amen.